Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing. I am Zach Williams alongside my co-host, Beth Popnikolov, and we have a really exciting show for you planned today. One thing we talk quite a bit about here on Smarter Building Materials Marketing are the changes and shifts that are happening in the building product space. What are these changes and how can you stay ahead of them? Which is why we're really excited to have a guest join us today, who we believe is one of the foremost leaders and thought leaders in the building product space. His name is Mark Mitchell, and his company is Wizard Strategy. He's also the author of Building Materials Channel Marketing, which you can buy on his website or on Amazon. He's also a great friend of mine. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you, Zach. Thanks. Glad to be here. So, Mark, for those of us who don't know who you are, can you give us a little bit of an overview of your company, who you are, and your experience in the industry? I have worked in uh, building materials, sales, and marketing for over 30 years. I've either worked for advertising agencies that only worked uh, on, for building material companies or own my own advertising agency that only works in building materials. And for the last uh, eight years, I, uh, I've been a consultant. So I work uh, only with building material companies and uh, to help them grow, improve, grow their sales through architects, builders, contractors, dealers, distributors, or big boxes. So that's my total area of focus is on building materials and the channel of distribution. So you not only consult and help building product companies, but you also have a semi-annual conference. Isn't that right? Yes. Twice a year uh, in Boulder, Colorado, I have the Wizard Summit in which uh, uh, 30 building material companies, uh, different companies come and uh, spend two days uh, with us in which we uh, walk them through uh, the best way to approach today's architect contractor, so forth, how to improve their, their marketing, both uh, traditional as well as online. That's great. And we actually, you and I met back at the, originally met at the, was it the Deck Expo show or the Remodeler Remodelers, show? Remodeler yeah, show yeah, we met at the Deck Expo, yes, yeah, in that's Baltimore. Right. right. In Baltimore years ago. Yes. I remember, I remember seeing you just at a coffee shop or something like that at, at the expo floor. And I just went up and introduced myself. And the next thing I knew, five hours later, we were, we were drinking wine, eating steak. <laughs> which <laughs> that is, was a fun day. Which, which if, for anybody that doesn't know Mark, that is Mark Mitchell to a T. You go up and you introduce yourself, and five hours later, you're having a really good steak and having a great time, right? <laughs> and a lot of good conversations. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So, Mark, we are, we're major fans of your newsletter at Benvio. We try to keep track of you, especially when you're visiting trade shows. I know you were recently at IBS, and you talked a lot at IBS, and we talk a lot together about the shifts and changes that you see happening in the building material space. What would you say are the two biggest shifts that you see coming down the pipeline? Online sales of uh, building materials and uh, the shift from site-built construction to off-site construction or panelized, modular, factory-built. So when you say online sales, let's start there. What do you mean specifically? How is that changing? We're, you can already see uh, Lowe's and Home Depot very focused on uh, trying to grow their online presence. 
uh, whether it's to uh, get people to place an order that is shipped to them or that they place an order and pick it up in the store. But they are really, you know, going into online. You also are finding uh, a lot right now of very uh, small, very focused companies like e-faucets uh, that that you can go online and there's everything in the world about faucets there. They're trying to sell you faucets. There are custom stairway companies that their whole business is online. They don't sell anything but online, uh, which is to me, really? Uh, you know, you're going to make a stairway for me, you know, 500 miles from here. By, we're going to talk over the phone and email, and, and you're going to design and produce a stairway for me and somehow ship it to me, and it's going to fit and work. I mean, but they're a, success, you know, they're a successful business. This isn't like, well, what if you could design and ship a stairway, okay? Um, and so I think everybody in the building materials industry is very afraid of, uh, you know, will Amazon one day just decide instead of, like, they bought Whole Foods, I was reading that they might buy Target, you know, what if they decided to buy Home Depot, okay? Um, you know, what, what would happen there? So uh, there's a number of other companies, Build Direct. Uh, th there's a number of companies that are all dabbling in this. Where I see the biggest growth right now is individual companies. There is a, uh, a closet company. There's a couple of closet companies that, I've, uh, that have talked with me, and their whole business model is they do custom closets online and ship all over North America. So what you're, you're talking about, Mark, is not just a shift to having a strong online presence. You're saying the actual distribution, purchase, research, all of that, everything is moving to the end user or whoever your audience is, is actually able to buy from you and get it online. Is, is that what you're saying? Just like today, we want something, many of us, I know I'm Amazon Prime member, and while I want to support my local bookstores and people, I find myself... I want something, my wife wants something, I just go to Amazon, I push a button, and boom, right? That our, our lives are changing. And, and building materials, you know, fine, I can buy a tool, a hammer, something small, tape measure online, you know, but it's rapidly shifting uh, to where we're going to see people buying bathtubs online. Uh, you know, we're going to see people buying more building materials that right now don't make sense to us. But it's going to happen. It isn't, you know, it's a very small part of building material sales today, but it is going to be rapidly growing. So you could be a manufacturer and you would say, well, we don't sell online. We only sell through our distributors. But yet I can go to Amazon or I can just go online and I can find either their product for sale on Amazon or through a dealer who sells online. So they're already online. You know, they're just not controlling it uh, in any way. So th there's just going to be this shift to online sales of, uh, of every different type of building material. It's going to start out, it's small, but it's, it's going to gather steam and momentum. And I, I'm afraid most building material companies are going to be behind the curve. They're going to sit and wait till it causes them a problem before they they proactively deal with it. So 
that leads to a really good question mark, which is a really good, I think that's a really good point. If you were talking to any building material manufacturer who's listening to this podcast, and maybe they've been selling for 10, 20, 50 years, and they've sold one way, they've sold through their traditional channel, what would you tell them to start to make that shift or that change to stay ahead of, of this shift that you're talking about? Well, the, the, the number one thing is, first of all, to be the online leader about information about their type of product. So whatever question anybody has, they type in to Google, that company should be showing up toward the top of the first page as an answer to any question any person, a homeowner, contractor, builder, anybody would have. That's the first thing they need to do is just realize the power of online. Just start with information. The second one is to then have a person whose whole job is to explore and be on top of online sales of their type of product. So, you know, who is selling their product online today? What do we know about them? You know, or their type of product. Maybe their bathtub's not being sold online, but somebody else's is. Okay? Is it being sold by the manufacturer, a dealer? You know, where's it coming from? And be tracking and monitoring. And because and then develop your plan of what you're going to do because it's going to come. Uh, don't wait until you're forced to react and all of a sudden have to set up a you know get in the online business. Uh, you could sit back, you know, probably for you know at least you know two years. You know, probably by three you're going to have no choice but to be selling online, and you want to be prepared for it. So it isn't like starts. In your in an individual company, it may not be you should be selling online today. It may be, I believe this is coming. What do I need to do to be prepared for it? Yeah, we talk to manufacturers all the time who have either started to sell online, either on their website or sell directly on Amazon, for example. And they know, hey, if this is 5 to 10% of our revenue this year, that's a success. But they're trying to stay ahead of the inevitable. Right? Oh, yeah. They're trying yeah. to stay ahead of, of that, that change that they see people are happening because there is a bit of a dance that a lot of manufacturers probably have to do because they have their traditional channel, those relationships that they have. And if they push too hard online, that could then disrupt that relationship, you know? Right. You know, I, I, I talked uh, last week to uh, a manufacturer and uh, I said to them, gee, you have this big buy online button on your website. Doesn't that bother your dealers? And, and they said, well, at first it does until they realize that we've intentionally made our prices higher than theirs. People that click on there, it leads them to a dealer <laughs> to a sale, right? And, and, and so uh, they're not looking to generate online sales themselves today. They are looking, they found that it's a great tool um, that gets people to buy the product like literally going to their uh, shopping cart, whatever it is, and seeing the price and then checking it with their local dealer and seeing the local dealer is cheaper, then they, they go to the local dealer. But in any case, a sale is made. A sale is made, but then the benefit to the manufacturer is they, for those orders that do come through, they are able to work out the logistics of shipping um, that, those products on a small scale and over time get better at it. Well, the, the other one is, I think, that 
at any point they want to shift it, they just have to lower the price. Yeah, exactly. Because they already, let's just say that they're already paying a distributor dealer, you know, 20% uh, of the, is what the, you know, the, if the end user is paying $100, the, uh, you know, let's say the dealer distributor is buying it for 80 Okay. Well, they can keep that $20. Right now, let's say they're pricing it $110 and the dealer sells it at 100 Well, they can sell it at 100 and still make more profit. I think one thing, the lesson here before we go into the second piece is we've all worked with companies who fall into one of two categories. One, they're now playing catch up with growing an online presence. They're now seeing a website's no longer optional email marketing is no longer optional, social media marketing is no longer optional, and their competitors have been in this space doing what they're now learning to do for three to five years. Or we're working with companies who have been there for three to five years and now have great momentum and are able to start looking ahead and see what's next. And I think that's the takeaway for me from this discussion is it's not an if but when situation about selling online. And I can just hear all of the reasons why my product category wouldn't fit well for an online sale. But stairways, if you can sell a stairway, I mean, that's that was like, oh, right. Like that's specific (laughs) measurements, that's specific dimensions. That's I mean, there's physics involved. It's it's huge. It is huge. And it's either you're going to start to figure out how do we do it now, like you guys are talking about this manufacturer who basically could just scale their solution tomorrow of we match price, we figure out shipping, we've done it on small scale, we know how to do it larger. Or in three years, you have your oh crap moment (laughs) and try to scramble to now be competitive in a space that's overrun with your product category. Yeah, I, I think you're 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 uh, giving the building material manufacturers a little too much credit. <laughs> uh, one is, I think that they, I think they think that having a website is no longer an option. Okay, I think that that uh, having a a good website, uh, they uh, is an option in their mind. Okay, now because they just believe a website is a website, and they really don't understand. Many of them are still back in the thing about instead of printing a catalog, I have that catalog online. It's called a website. So I'm, I'm good, okay? Can check that box off, right? So there's so many companies that, that, that view social media as an option, that view content. Uh, they, they, almost all of them don't see SEO as an option, but yet they do a terrible job of SEO. They just, they write a check to somebody who doesn't do a very good job for them. Um, and so I still think that there's, you know, the, the building materials industry, you know, many people, you know, I agree with is like 10 years behind the rest of the world when it comes to marketing. And so, uh, the, so we're seeing them, um, people from the outside coming in and are going to shake things up and it's going to force people to change or they're going to find themselves irrelevant. I mean, there's going to be some big companies that are going to go out of business. So that brings us to our second point. Tell us more about what you see in the move to offsite modular prefabricated construction. One of the biggest um, problems with building materials since forever, uh, has been its uh, 
tremendous amount of waste and inefficiency that every other industry has figured out how to make a product more efficiently uh, and uh, have consistent quality and uh, lower the costs. So, you know, you, you think about, you know, like I, I think about, you know, how much a television set used to cost, you know, and, and my wife and I were talking the other night about a new television and, and I said, oh, yeah, like 400 bucks. I mean, because we don't need, I'm not looking for a giant one. And my wife was like, what? That's all it costs, you know, for a 40-inch, you know, television? And I said to her, you know, I looked for one that cost more. Couldn't find it. I was like, well, of course, I need an, if there's a $400 one, what's an $800 one look like, you know? Couldn't find one, right? And, you know, they've just, you know, driven out all the waste and inefficiency and optimized things. And the building materials industry has is so fragmented. There's a hundred over a hundred thousand home builders in the United States. You know, there's I don't know, forty thousand roofing contractors, just all these individuals. There's no uh, there can be a big manufacturer, but then it, it it goes out into all these hundreds of thousands of builders and contractors and so forth. And they all do things the way however they want to do. So they make very small very small changes in improving things. So Two things have happened. Uh, one is that I'm going to say uh, six years ago, uh, people on investors started to get interested in building materials. And it, and it started with um, some firms in New York City that have bazillions of dollars, and they're saying, huh, should, what should we do with our money? What would be a great place to invest it? And at that point, they said, gee, there's all these foreclosed homes Let's just go buy a bunch of those and let's rent them. Not fix them up and flip them. Let's rent them. Let's get in the landlord business. And so, so one company, I think it was BlackRock, uh, I believe bought 44,000 homes in a matter of months in 14 cities. And most of them, they never even saw the houses. Okay. They just, like the bank said, I got a house. This is what I lent it. This is what it was praised for. You know, I'll take this many cents on the dollar. Boom. Bought, 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 you know. And so as these investment money people started to look into the business, I think they started to go, wait a minute. What? This is screwed up. You know, this is screwed up, you know, how, how things are done in this industry. Um, so I think, and... So I think that the uh, and then they've they different people have looked at it from different angles, and uh, and now we have people coming in from the um, there's the ownership angle which is the BlackRock thing, and then there's the standpoint about there's a business model here, which I think started with once again some investors looking at how can we be a better source of materials for the construction industry. And then they started to say, wait a minute, this problem's bigger than that. And the other component, kind of the perfect storm thing, is that uh, the single biggest thing holding back uh, construction today is labor. Like there is enough customers, there's enough land, there's enough financing, there's enough pr materials, all that's available. What's not available 
is the guy that goes out on the job site with a hammer or, or whatever he goes out on the job site with. There's not enough of those. Yeah, I was meeting with a, I was meeting with a manufacturer yesterday. Right. And I said, what's your biggest problem? And he said, labor, without right. hesitation. He's like, I don't have a problem with demand. I have a problem with labor. Investors have seen an opportunity who come from outside the industry. <laughs> some, you know, they'll, they'll usually have some people on, on their, their staff that are, are good at construction and understand it. But, but then they have some people who don't know better <laughs> to say, what do you mean? We can change the way things are built. And so they've looked and done the numbers and said, you know, uh, I can build, I can build a house or a building in a factory cheaper, faster, and better than you can build it on a job site. And so whether it is um, um, a uh, high-rise apartment building in which in a factory, they are building, okay, we need 100 baths, <laughs> we need 100 half baths, we need 100 kitchens of this layout and 100 of this layout, and they build them like a Lego, <laughs> and they put them on the back of a flatbed truck, it shows up at the job site at the right day, the right time, and a crane lifts it and puts it in place, and all the electrical, everything is there, just bolt stuff together, connect it up, and you keep building it's like the way a cruise ship is built. Um, we have some of the larger home builders who have said, I'm not going to wait for this. I have a problem with labor, so I'm going to start to build off-site my kitchens, my bathrooms. You know, what are the most labor-intensive rooms? And I think it's those two. And so we have some builders who already have decided to set up and design and build their own factories, okay? Um, so... So this is going, this is happening. It's going to happen. And I can see down the road, you know, where a builder is no longer going to be in the building business. They're going to be in the sale, design, sales, and marketing business. That makes me think of a newsletter article I, I read of yours recently from IBS. I think it was a really, you, you mentioned to me, it was a really, really popular article that, you've, that you created or you wrote recently. Do you want to share a little bit about that, that company that you mentioned? Well, I came across, um, you know, I'm not sure how I originally found them, but I came across, I guess, think some stories about a company called Katera, and it kind of interested me. And uh, I looked at their website, and it actually did not tell the story. <laughs> you know, and I see this frequently is like there's this company, and uh, I see this all the time where there's a company. And if I sit with the someone, the CEO, someone that really knows the company, the story they tell me is unbelievably convincing, compelling. And then I go to their website and it's not the same story. They're not saying any, they're not saying anything. A lot of words, but not actually saying anything. Yeah. And so I, I found a video that I don't even know is on their website, but I found a video. Maybe somebody shared it on LinkedIn. It just somehow caught my eye. And this video is like an in, a factory tour of one of their plants. And it was like an oh my God moment for me when I saw this video. And so I, I did a, um, an article back in, gosh, it may have been back in November when I first wrote about this. And, uh, and I put this video in my article and it just started a real, it was amazing the response it got. And then when I was uh, at the Builder Show, I saw that Katera had uh, a large exhibit there. 
and I wrote an article about why that was the most important exhibit at the show. And uh, it, it was amazing. It, it took my, my web traffic times five. You know, I mean, it was just, it exploded. I looked at my Google Analytics and there's this big boom, you know, and it was that, it was that article. And then I started getting phone calls and emails from builders, manufacturers. I even got a call from a, a, a window dealer that lost a half a million dollar window dealer uh, deal to, uh, uh, to Katera. Uh, you know, who was, Katera just went to the manufacturer and said, uh, we're going to buy direct and the manufacturer sold them. So, you know, it's going to profoundly change um, uh, it's going to change the role of the manufacturer, the role of the builder, the role of the contractor, dealer, distributor. So they're mainly going to affect new construction at this point, commercially and residentially. There's still going to be a huge uh, traditional business in repair, remodel, and retrofit. It, you're, if, uh, if you need your roof replaced, there's still going to be the local contractor who's going to come bid on the job, buy the materials from his distributor and install it. If you still, there's still going to be Lowe's and Home Depot if you're doing a do-it-yourself project. So it's, it's just, uh, to me, the first big hit is going to be in new construction. Do you see this happening in both residential as well as commercial, Mark? Yes. Mark, did you explain what Katera is? I thought I knew. I'm learning. I thought I knew what they were, right? But uh, it, it's kind of like peeling away an onion, right? Okay. So I believe that Katera started, and uh, I'm going to go to Phoenix. They've invited me to come and have a plant tour and, and talk with them more. So I'm just going by what I know today, which in a few weeks I'll know more or something different. But what I read and what I have seen is that I think Katera started out saying that that uh, we can be a more efficient source of supply to the construction industry than the current methods. Okay? And so I think what their mindset is, um, I need a product that gives me a certain performance. Okay, so if it's an insulation, I need insulation that delivers this R value, right? If it is a kitchen faucet, I need a kitchen faucet that has this perform, it has this appear aesthetic look, this finish, and oh by the way, it has to you know has to install and work these ways. Like when I turn on cold water, cold water has to come out, right? Um, and and they went, okay, so when we're buying from a manufacturer that has a recognized brand name in those categories, we're paying a premium for that brand name. Does that brand name really matter when it's buried in the middle of a house? Okay. Um, you know, you just, most homeowners maybe want to just know that there's insulation in the wall. Do they really care what type or who made it? And, and the same is when you walk into a kitchen or bathroom, you, you look and say, that's an attractive faucet. Do you go, that's, that faucet was made by blank? So I, I literally think, you know, they thought, gee, you know, if builders need 100,000 faucets that are in these three different designs, 
uh, we could go get those manufactured ourselves <laughs> and, and offer the builder tremendous savings. I, I think that was, I think that was the, 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 you know, the beginning of the idea. And then I think they started to see that the problem, uh, maybe even the bigger problem, is, um, is labor. And so if you put those two together, imagine the savings. You know, I, I've read that the co uh, cost of a home or a building today is 30% more than it needs to be just because of waste and inefficiency. And, you know, and, and I, you know, I might be, and maybe it's up to 30%, whatever, but it is, it is a substantial number. You know, you know when, when the price of most other things literally is going down due to efficiency, the, the prices of construction are not going down. What, why is that? So, you know, you, you know, I mean, every other thing we can think about, you know, peanut butter, uh, cars, tires, whatever, you know, um, through efficiency and so forth, if you look at what, in, you know, inflation has done over, you know, 30, 40 years, and you look at the cost of all these things, you know, they're way under that. So, Mark, if, if I'm a manufacturer and I'm listening to this, my initial reaction might be, well, we've got technology they can't use or we've got efficiencies they can't match. What would you tell them? Like, what would you tell, what would, you, how, what would your response be? And then how would you help them stay ahead of this shift? As I wrote in my article, the first thing is to recognize, like you, there are companies who refuse to sell to Home Depot and they do quite well. All right. And it like steel chainsaws makes that's part of their whole campaign is you won't find our product at Lowe's or Home Depot. Right. So you can choose to say, you know, we're not going to do that. And, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and some companies can probably be successful. But you got to realize there's going to be a chunk of the market that you're now going to walk away from. Okay, um, it may not be a chunk that you want, uh, but I would be I would be watching this very carefully. It's still very small on the grand scale of things, but it is going to happen. There's going to be a shift very quickly. Uh, someone contacted me and said that if they if off-site construction does really well, maybe by uh, end of 2019, uh, they will be at 5%. And I, I just believe that's conservative, okay? Uh, so I think there's a point, I don't know whether it's 20, 30, 40, 50%. There certainly is a point. You know, if you're designing a multi-million dollar custom-built mountain home in Aspen, you know, that's going to be built on site, <laughs> okay? But if you are a builder building 600 homes a year <laughs> that are in a certain price range that are in a few localities, you're probably going to start building, you're going to have to have those factory built. You're not, you know, if you're building a $600,000 home and all of a sudden the guy down the street now is selling your home for 520000 okay, or five hundred and forty. dollars or 550, what, what are you going to do? You're going to take notice. You're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. True. So I, the number one thing I would do is to really learn as much as you can about this. I would go meet with companies like Katera and, and uh, uh, understand what they're all about so you can make a better informed decision. And uh, I would learn, you know, 
what do they need from a manufacturer, which is very different than today's builder, dealer, distributor, and contractor need from a manufacturer. So it's, they have different needs. And the first company that goes in there and understands how to meet those needs is going to be the favored supplier. Well, Mark, this has been great. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, if someone wants to get in touch with you or, or they you know, have a question or they're, you know, they're looking for some help, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, to either go to my website, seethewizard.com, which is S-E-E. T-H-E-W-H-I-Z-A-R-D.com. So the only weird thing is I spell wizard with an H. Yeah, but this has been great. You know, I always really enjoy talking to the two of you. We have great conversations and uh, learn from each other and uh, make each other think. So this has been a great opportunity. Thanks again, Mark. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. If you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time. I'm Zach Williams, alongside Beth Popniklov. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.